it's so tough to bet Larson at plus 250, 275, 300 even, um, just because things happen in NASCAR. Episode three of Stacking Denny's. Rest in peace, Dale Earnhardt. I am Jordan McAbee of FantasyRacingOnline.com, along with my co-host Nick Giffen, aka Rotodoc of Fantasy Labs. We are on to Atlanta Motor Speedway for the second time this season. But first, we had Road Atlanta last week. I know you weren't able to watch the race. I did. I was. I was very. We'll quickly go over this. We have a lot to talk about today, Nick. Um, but. I was very um, – I liked what Road America offered. It's ridiculous how good Chase Elliott is at road courses. We're seeing that every single time. You know, his his best road course – or his worst road course is probably Sonoma, and he still finished second there this year, I believe. But Chase Elliott goes and wins it. Uh, a lot of strategy, which um, I know you like. It played out at the end. You know, you had guys like Kevin Harvick, A.J. Allmendinger, um, a few others that um, pitted late, hoping for a late caution. Uh, we had Christopher Bell finish second, who he run he won the Daytona Road Course earlier this year. Kyle Busch. We had our usual contenders. Uh, you know, Larson was up there. He got wrecked by his teammate, or he wrecked. Yeah, he got wrecked by Bowman, who was also running. You know, like sixth. So those two had bad finishes, as did William Byron. But not a lot of surprises um, from that race. And that's kind of really the the biggest non-surprise I would say would have been the Jordan Jinx absolutely killing Austin Cindric as he's fighting for the lead. I, uh, you know, I warn everybody when every week who the Jinx is on, and and that really hurts though. When when I know you bet him fifty to one, I bet him fifty to one. Uh, you know, him up there fighting for the lead and then having a mechanical issue that just uh, that's rough. Yeah, it's it's super rough. I mean, um, I was able to listen to a bit of it on uh, on the radio, and of course, the the part I was able to catch was right when Cindric was in the lead, and um, I think he had just passed Matt DiBenedetto for the lead, and Kyle Busch was coming, and all of a sudden Cindric like breaks an axle or something. I think they were speculating. I, I don't know what it ended up being because again, I was, this is like the first race I've missed in forever. First race this year. And the first race, probably in a few years, that I've I've had to miss, unfortunately, um, was busy doing some other things. But yeah, the, dude, Jordan, what what's what's going on here, man? You should have bet somebody else first instead of uh, Austin Cindric. <laughs> but uh, fifteen to one, I think his closing line value was something like I think I tweeted out either twelve to one or sixteen to one on DraftKings. Um, so if you bet him at fifty to one on DraftKings, you got excellent closing line value there, and. It was a great bet. I mean, the dude was leading. He was fast and uh, had, you know, he not had issues. Uh, it would have been okay. Now, I do think it's possible the issues were a little bit of his own doing. Uh, I think, you know, when he went out on those rumble strips there, um, that could have potentially broken the axles is what I heard on the radio. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, obviously, you watch the TV broadcast there. But, uh, you know, maybe a little lesson learned there for Austin Sindrick. But there's no doubting his talent on the road courses. Yeah, so he well, I I will note he was racing very aggressive. Um, you know, in those early even in the early stages, you know, fighting for second, fighting for third, he was racing super aggressive and and that I think that definitely could have could have 
attributed to that car breaking. Um, you mentioned Matt Benedetto. He was one guy that was very surprising in that race. I will say that uh, he had probably the best car, I'd say, on short runs. And if they would have got a late restart and everybody was on the same tires, obviously with, with no strategy playing out, and he would have restarted, you know, second or third row, I think he would have won that race. His car was that good on on the short run. So a little bit of a surprise there with the Benedetto. Obviously, we've seen him run well on road courses before, but uh, never really have that race winning speed. But as far as short run speed, you know, he could he could outmaneuver and, and outrace Chase, uh, Kyle Busch, everybody on the in the first, you know, five laps of a run. Uh, he was that good. Um, let me see here. So Chase Elliott, obviously the best on road courses. I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. Um, he's on the pole this week for Atlanta. But before we get to talking about Atlanta, which I, I'm really excited for this race coming up in Atlanta. I think it's going to be great both betting-wise and um, DFS-wise. Big news last week was Trackhouse Racing is buying Chip Ganassi Racing. I know you're going to be a huge fan of this. And honestly, when it when the news first broke, I was a little excited as well. Um, you know, coming into this season, I thought I didn't know what to expect from Trackhouse. I thought it was a complete joke when Daniel Suarez said this is going to be the best car he's ever raced. But they're really impressive. It's not very often you see startup teams in NASCAR Cup Series come in and and actually be competitive. Maybe not winning races, but Daniel Suarez is competitive. He's 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 challenging for top tens at times. He's getting top tens. He probably could have won day, or the Bristol Dirt Race this year. Anyway, so Trackhouse is making a huge move. They're buying Chip Ganassi Racing. They are expanding to two charters next year. They're going to have two uh, two cars. Daniel Suarez is going to be one of the drivers to be determined on who's going to be the second. Uh, a lot of speculation. It could be Kurt Busch. Could be Ross Chastain. Uh, my opinion from Ross Chastain's tweet after the day after it happened, I don't think it's going to be him. I think I think his tone sounded like a guy that was just told, "Hey, you, you know, it's not going to be you next year." But that's just complete. You know, that's just me probably reading into it too much. So, what what do you think, Nick, on on Trackhouse buying Chip Ganassi Racing? Yeah, I, first of all, I saw the tweet you referenced, and uh, not that I disagree with you. I just I don't know if I read that tone necessarily. I just don't know what to make of that tweet. I mean, it's 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 more just like you know thanking Ganassi, in my opinion. But who knows? I mean, it's a wait and see game with that as far as who gets the second ride. Uh, but I do think um, you know Chip Ganassi is a winner. He's he's won in IMSA. He's won in IndyCar. He's had some not championship winners, but some winning drivers in nascar and right now they're not winning right now kurt bush is you know definitely in the downswing of his career he's you know he's winning about one race a year he won a race last year for ganassi he won a race two years ago for ganassi but he hasn't won anything this year he's sitting there 14th in points and actually uh 15th if you count the fact that michael mcdowell has a win and, and is in 17th in points so actually is in the playoffs here so kurt bush just kind of barely clinging to a playoff spot Ross Chastain um, you know, outside of the playoffs right now in 18th position. That's not what Chip Ganassi is used to from his NASCAR teams, from his IndyCar teams, and all sorts of different teams that he's run. And I think uh, especially with the loss of Kyle Larson, who's now the best driver in NASCAR, now that he's in top-tier equipment, it really shows You know, with, with Larson going from winning races occasionally with Ganassi to absolutely just dominating at Hendrick. It really proved 
how inferior Ganassi is to Hendrick. Even a Hendrick team that a couple years ago maybe wasn't among the top, top of the, the top tier teams. You know, it was Gibbs and Penske and, and for a while there's Stuart Haas Racing. Well, now Hendrick's uh, back on the top and Ganassi is very clearly exposed as a mid-pack team. He doesn't want to be a mid-pack team. I think it made sense for an upcoming team, uh, Trackhouse Racing, to to buy Ganassi and the writing writing was just kind of on the wall there with Ganassi I don't think he had fully the amount of passion um they didn't have the equipment of the, of the top tier teams um that he had in IndyCar so kind of writing on the wall I think it's overall um an interesting move I don't know if it's a good move necessarily for NASCAR I was kind of hoping Trackhouse would expand to two teams without having to buy out Ganassi, you know, still hoping to see two Ganassi teams, two Trackhouse teams. Uh, maybe we get, you know, obviously we get that the ex, the colleague racing coming. Um, you know, we were wondering if twenty three eleven is going to expand. Of course, they're expanding. GMS, you know, there's all sorts of stuff going on here. That's not what I expected, but it kind of it weirdly works out. There is actually a lot involved here. There's a lot of moving pieces. Um, Trackhouse is actually buying Ganassi and there's they're getting the, the Spire charter and Spire's losing, you know, or getting one of the Ganassi, the two Ganassi charters. Theirs is going back to Spire is what I should say. And Spire's, uh, you know, there's all sorts of like moving pieces here. One's going to colleague and stuff. Like there's a whole bunch of, of funny business with the charter system going around. Basically Trackhouse is absorbing Ganassi's two charters at the end of the day. And the one that they're currently have purchased from, I believe it's Spire is going back to Spire. Yeah. So that was a, uh, that was one, I think one note that I think a lot of people missed when their news broke was it's not, you know, we're actually losing a team as opposed to expanding to a, a fuller field. And, and whereas, you know, Trackhouse is just getting those two Ganassi, um, charters and and not and kind of losing their current one i guess is the best way to put it um you did you you mentioned you know ganassi and and they definitely haven't been i don't i don't think they've ever i've never really considered them at least you know in recent years even when they had kyle larson now nowhere near top equipment they're not out there you know they're running well but they could never really put together four races which is surprising because they do have that relationship with Hendrick. And you remember back to Charlotte this year when both Chip Ganassi cars broke and Hendrick came out and said, this was our fault. Since then, Ganassi cars have been crazy good on speed. Like, you know, like to where it, it's, to, it's to where the point in, in fantasy NASCAR where you need to recognize that early and get ahead of that curve because a lot of people are, um, you know, they still have that mindset of Kurt Busch, hasn't been running well all year. Chastain is aggressive. Now you have now you have both of them have speed. Obviously, when Kurt Busch has speed, he can finish well. Um, I've found over the years, a lot of times, re- that's where you can get a, a great edge in fantasy NASCAR is hopping on that that train, so to speak, um, as this transition is happening where they're getting speed again. You know, we saw Kurt Busch finish top five at um, at Road America. Chastain had another solid top ten. Uh, you know, Chastain has been fast at for the past seems like month and a half, basically since Charlotte. Um, so it's, it's, it's interesting to me that, you know, now that the news has came out that Ganassi is, has sold off is, is kind of when they're rebounding to, to get better speed than, than what we're used to right now. Caught me mid sneeze there. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and it's, it's, it's just, it's really interesting. Uh, you mentioned that. And like you said, Chastain's had uh 
four top sevens in the past seven races. He could have probably had two really strong finishes at Pocono as well. We could be talking about six out of the past seven races where he's had top 10 finishes at least, if not even better. Um, but, uh, you know, you did mention that as well. It's really nice to hop early on that that fantasy train there. And, and you're right. Right after the uh, both those Ganassi cars broke, they've been a lot better. One other interesting comment that Kyle Larson made last year uh, was, you know, just how they weren't quite – Ganassi wasn't quite getting the same – uh, equipment those Hendrick cars were. And actually, <laughs> this is now interesting because Kyle Larson is now a Hendrick driver. Um, but y- you're right that Ganassi was never a top-tier contender, but Kyle Larson did lead the point standings in 2017 for quite some time. He has been a driver that had the potential to make it all the way to the championship and win the championship even with Ganassi. I mean, there's been years he's won multiple races with Ganassi. Uh, pulling him up here right now. Uh, in 2017, he won... Four races with Ganassi, and that was the year he was leading the point standings for much of the season. Um, it, it, really, in 2017, he was also doing exceptionally well in the playoffs. He started off 5-2-5 in the first round, and then all kind of fell apart. Um, 10th and 13th at Charlotte and then Talladega, and then a 32nd knocked him out of the playoffs uh, in in the second round. And then he had a 37th, the 37th, and the 40. Those Ganassi cars were breaking. He was making some mistakes. He really got a tough lesson in the playoffs there. And they've never really been the same since that 2017 season where they were contending for a potential championship. Uh, and they've kind of fallen back towards the upper part of that mid-tier, I would say. I mean, they're still winning races like if you compare them to, let's say, Roush, they're winning races and Roush isn't, right? Uh, so at least in the past few years, they have been outside of maybe a couple of uh, Ricky Stenhouse wins at super speedway tracks. But um, yeah, just unfortunate for Ganassi, but very good news for Trackhouse. And like you said, we are losing a team in this deal, but because we gained a team with Colleg, it actually kind of like breaks out overall neutral. Like there aren't any uh, charters that are unaccounted for between all of these different deals so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so who do you, do you have any, do you have any wishes on who you think, or who do you want in that second track house car? Oh man. there. I mean, I am not a huge Chastain fan, but he he's, he's running pretty well. You kind of have to consider him. Um, I know there's a lot of drivers maybe in the second tier uh, in Xfinity. Noah Gragson could be an interesting candidate. Uh, that way he kind of stays in the Chevy family. You know, he's running for junior motorsports right now, and he, he definitely wants a cup shot at some point. He's kind of been beating up equipment. Um, who do I want? I don't really know. I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a driver that, that tends to pick favorites or not a guy i should say i'm not a driver i'm definitely not a driver but i'm not a guy that tends to pick favorite <laughs> drivers uh overall you know i mean i have had jeff gordon then had paul menard and uh we'll, we'll just have to see how it plays out but what about you jordan i uh i just have this weird gut feeling that kurt bush retires after this year um and i think that would be one big domino maybe i'm just hoping for it maybe i'm just hoping that newman retires and Kurt Busch retires and we get those kind of dominoes that fall where we continue this, this new blood coming into this sport. But one guy that I'm thinking about now and kind of looking up is he, remember when Reddick was rumored to take over the 42 mm-hmm. and we talked about him last week and, and what his current contract situation is. I, I could see him making a move 
Um, I, I would think if he makes a move, it might be up toward Penske, though. Um, or that Wood Brothers car, maybe with an eye on Penske in the future. I don't know. Um, he could just stay at RCR. He'd go to Trackhouse. I think Trackhouse would, you know, at Trackhouse right now is kind of affiliated with RCR, right? Um, so I don't necessarily think that's an upward move for him if he's going to a team that's an affiliate of RCR there. So I don't know if that's the move Reddick makes, but. You know, there's so many options. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I do. I I don't know if I don't know if Gregson can will make the jump. Like you said, he's just he wrecks a lot of race cars, and and I don't know if that's uh, that's gonna work out. But uh, at, least, at least he's grabbed a couple wins, unlike other drivers that have made the cup the, the jump to cup and didn't succeed. That's true. That's true. What about someone like uh, Eric Jones? Eric Jones is a, a, a good option. Um, I do think uh, I've heard or seen rumors that he does want to re-sign with Petty there in the 43 car. So mm-hmm. uh, not sure that's going to happen. You, like you said, you think Kurt Busch is retiring. There was that rumor earlier in there that he'll be the second car at 2311 with Bubba Wallace there. Um, but yeah, it's going to be, I don't know. We have no idea. It's going to be an interesting off season for sure, or, or at least end of the regular season in terms of the silly season. Right. Yeah. Um, speaking of, you know, potentially retiring, I, I saw a quote from Martin Truex Jr. earlier this week, and I don't think this got the, the news coverage that it should have. And maybe I was taking it, I've taken it out of context, but I read it like 10 times. And he basically said with this new car coming in next year, if it's not fun to drive, he's done. He's given, he's given up. What, what do you think about that? Uh, I mean, I, I think that's what he should do. Uh, if you're not having fun, why continue? He's 41 years old. He's got a championship mm-hmm. in the bag. He's got 30 race wins. He's a, he's a lock for the hall of fame. Like we talked about last week of hall of fame stuff. I mean, he's, he's guaranteed lock. I and mean, if you think about the fact that he was running an inferior equipment, the first portion of his career, DEI, uh, Michael Waltrip Racing, and that first year of Furniture Row, Furniture Row Racing. I mean, you look at the first several years of his career, he grabbed two wins. One of them was at a road course, of course, Sonoma, where he dominates, and he got one in 2007 with DEI. Um, but he had a, a many-year gap in there without grabbing a single win. Then he went over to Furniture Row Racing after the whole Michael Waltrip incident with the playoffs and the, the itching of the arm and spin gate and all that jazz. Uh so basically since 2015 to present, he's had 28 wins in the Cup Series, which is you know just an insane run that he's been on. He's done everything he needs to do in Cup. Yeah, he'd like to grab a second uh, second championship, and of course he's going to give next year a go, but if he's not enjoying it, I think he should just go out and, and, and go fishing or do whatever he likes, hunting I know he likes to do. You know, just enjoy the rest of your life. You're, he's going to be 42 going on, uh, you know, at the end of next season, he'll be 42 and a half years old going on 43. If he doesn't enjoy it, go ahead and retire. I mean, uh, you've already accomplished everything and you've still got so much more the rest of your life to live. You're probably not getting any better as far as a NASCAR driver. It it, usually when you're in your forties, you know, you're, you're kind of hitting your peak in your mid late thirties, uh, and early, potentially very early forties, but you're really not peaking, uh, at the point of like 43 years old, even Kevin Harvick, right. Um, you know, Kevin Harvick is 45 years old right now. I mean, I guess he kind of peaked last year, two years ago, but really his only championship win was 2014. He's finished in the top uh, three 
every year since 2013, except 2016 and last year. And last year, he was potentially the best car for the whole season, just obviously didn't make the final four there uh, and still finished fifth in the championship. But, you know, you can still race in your late 30s and, and early, maybe mid 40s. But I think we're, we're starting to see maybe the decline of Kevin Harvick. But even then, he's so far ahead of his teammates. Maybe it's just a team thing there. But my point with Truex is uh, you're not really getting any better at this point. Maybe you're kind of staying neutral. So if he's not having fun, He's accomplished everything he's accomplished. Go and have fun. Mm-hmm. And I think this, I, I think it was Keselowski that said either last year or two years ago, basically with, with these new rules packages and the new new cars that NASCAR is going to push a lot of drivers out of the sport. And maybe that's just another example of that, that potentially happening. Yeah, it, it might be. I mean, we go through these waves where a bunch of drivers seem to retire um, and we, you know, we, we've kind of had a little bit of a gap outside of Jimmy Johnson who, who, and Clint Boyer. Um, we've kind of had a little bit of a gap, but for a while there we had, we had several drivers retiring. It seems like we're going to have that again, potentially. I mean, look, look at these drivers that are kind of aging. You've got Martin Truex Jr. You've got Kevin Harvick. Um, Denny Hamlin's getting up there in age. Uh, potentially Kyle Busch. I mean, there's rumors he may just stop running the lower series and stuff like that. So, um, you know, we've got a bunch of drivers that are getting up there in years. They've accomplished a lot. I don't think Kyle Busch is going to retire from Cup anytime soon, but uh, mm-hmm. there are potentially some drivers that could. I mean, like I said, Denny Hamlin's up there in age. Martin Truex Jr., uh, Kevin Harvick. Of course, Eric Almarola's up there in age, and he hasn't had the season he'd like to have. Um, what, what's that for him? So we could – Keselowski's been around for such a long time. Um, what what is going to happen? And and of course, Keselowski now hopping on the the ownership train. What's going to happen with with a bunch of these different drivers? Um, Newman should be retiring in the next year or two, or even at the end of this year. Um, so just a lot going on. A lot of older drivers. If they don't like this car, why not just try to find something else to do and make way for the next generation of of Cup Series drivers. Yeah, I think uh, I think Kyle Busch might be the next Derek Cope, you know, out there running at seventy-five years old. <laughs> yeah, at but, least he uh, could win races, unlike uh, Derek Cope, who had one one fluke win there. <laughs> That's true. Uh, one more thing about Martin Truex Jr. I know uh, last week we said I I'm following Martin Truex Jr. pretty heavily because I just continue dumping money on him to make the final four and to win the championship. Uh, so my main point last week was, and I tweeted it out. I said, if he struggles at road America, that's when I'm going to start to panic. And and that team I think is really in a, a deep hole. Um, he was up front a little bit. He had a speeding penalty. He still wasn't great all day by any means. He finished ninth. Um, do you think, do you think it's still too early to tell like just how bad this team is struggling or is it time to start, you know, if, if, if I'm, if I'm a diehard Truex fan, am I, am I really hitting that panic button right now? I want to see New Hampshire. New Hampshire is yeah. in two weeks. So not this coming weekend with Atlanta, but in two weeks, it, it could be a little bit of a preview of Richmond, a little bit of a preview of Martinsville, a little bit of a preview of Phoenix, which are three playoff races there. So those short, flat tracks. New Hampshire's got a little bit of characteristics of each of them. It's a mile in length like Phoenix. Um, it is like a true oval shape, kind of like Martinsville. 
And in terms of uh, the banking, it might be a little bit more like a Richmond than Phoenix. So um, it's it's got properties of, of a little bit of all of them there. So I think New Hampshire could be one where they really want to hit a home run uh, because they have three what should be very strong tracks for them. He won earlier this year at Phoenix. He won earlier this year at Martinsville. Um, so maybe they experiment with New Hampshire knowing they've got Phoenix and Martinsville and Richmond uh, already in the bag. He dominated part of Richmond uh, until losing late. But, um, you know, I think potentially New Hampshire is what I really want to see. And, of course, Glenn is the next week. Indy Road Course is the next week. Um, so even then, there's still, uh, you know, two more potentially good races here for Martin Truex Jr. right after New Hampshire. Not as worried about Atlanta, not a playoff race, uh, 550. You know, he finished ninth there earlier this year. It doesn't seem to be a super strong suit. So if he grabs a fifth, sixth, seventh place at Atlanta, that's actually probably a pretty positive sign for them um, rather than, you know, contending necessarily for a win there. They haven't been as good at the 550s as they have the 750s, but I'm really eyeing New Hampshire as the potential panic button. Um, but uh yeah, it, it was a little bit surprising they weren't right up front at Road America. So who knows? Maybe maybe there is mm-hmm. a little bit of panic that that is warranted. But I don't think Atlanta is going to be the thing that really decides it for me. Um, you either should be panicking now or probably panic after New Hampshire or after the three-year stretch of New Hampshire, Glenn, and Indy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I in the meantime, I'm gonna I'm gonna buy that dip and just continue pumping money into into Truex Championship and Truex, you know, to make the final four because well, I uh Auto Owners Insurance tweeted me back and let me know the rest of their schedule for the year and he's running the blue auto owners paint scheme at Martinsville before Phoenix. So in my mind, that's complete lock for him to win that race and get into Phoenix no matter what his points position is. But you you mentioned it, and we have a lot to talk about on this upcoming weekend, so we're going to get right into Atlanta. Big news just broke today, Tuesday. They are repaving. We all expected it. You know, they they teased it, I think, two years ago, and then last year they said, uh, okay, we're not going to do it this year, but we're going to do it next year. They came out. They are going to increase the banking to 28 degrees on the in the turns, the new transition apron is now going to be 18 degrees from four degrees. And the big one is um, they are shortening the width of the track down to 40 feet from 55 feet. And then the back stretch is going from 55 to 42. Uh, They're just taking the front stretch down a little bit, three feet from 55 down to 52 feet. And um, I first reaction i saw on this from a driver was kyle larson and i love kyle larson because he's so bluntly honest and he basically said uh it's what the fans want because the fans like rex and he basically said they're turning this into a daytona yeah um i think that's the aim did you see the iRacing simulation that this was based off of I didn't. I I didn't know how they did that. Like I I I read the story. I didn't have time to look at the the simulation. I was like, how did they you know do this? So yeah, I what, think it what, was. I think it was the athletic. I'd have to go back through Twitter and look. I think it was the athletic that tweeted out a simulation, uh, or quote tweeted a simulation or something, um, of of this, uh, you know, of this package that you know we're gonna have the new next gen car. Um, we're going to have, uh, you know, obviously all this, this banking and stuff. So apparently they ran a bunch of different, 
to put it simple, they ran a bunch of different iRacing simulations. They tried a bunch of different bankings and different widths and stuff. Um, and what they settled on based off some iRacing simulations was what they got now. Now, of course, iRacing simulations, who knows how accurate they're going to be, especially how accurate they're going to be with a car that actually hasn't even run on track yet. Um, yep. So that's the next question. Um, I agree with Kyle Larson. Well, and then looking at the simulation, they do want basically another Daytona based off of the simulation I saw on Twitter. Now, I don't know if that's actually 100% accurate, but I think that's kind of what they want. They want essentially Atlanta to be another Daytona. Um, I will say I would absolutely love these changes if they were on the high horsepower, low down force package. Dude, you get a fresh repave, that's going to be a lot of grip. You get... Um, higher banking, that's going to allow cars to turn easier. You're going to have massive speeds, but then they're going to have to break going in those corners with 950 horsepower and low downforce. So you're going to see, you would see just some awesome speeds heading into you know, either turn one or turn three. Then they'd have to break. That would put it all in the driver's hands. I would absolutely love this change if we had a good freaking aerodynamic package instead of whatever this 650 thing I think they're aiming for next year is. And I don't know what downforce, but they want them to run side by side better. No, I just want to see it put in the driver's hands. Um, I want to see it Mm -hmm. all put in the driver's hands. If you're talking a fresh repave, higher banking, which I love higher banking. I think higher banking is great. Again, creates more speed than flat tracks. Do you do have to break? uh, Don't get me wrong. Flat tracks. You often have to break a lot. It puts a lot into the driver's hands as well. But to do it at a high bank track where you get all the speed, put on some massive horsepower, let's say 950, low down force. Dude, these drivers have to be braking. You will see drivers losing it in the corners. You want to see some wrecks? Put the drivers on the aerodynamic edge. Put them on the aerodynamic edge. Uh, instead of having side-by-side racing where everybody's got you know just massive amounts of downforce and they can just run side-by-side side and they're actually not wrecking um, – let them spin out by making mistakes. Let them try to find that ragged edge on a brand new surface. I actually love the fact that there's a repave because I, and I've run the numbers on this um, high tire wear tracks like auto club, Chicagoland back when they were racing on it, Atlanta, of course, uh, Homestead and Darlington more recently, especially um, you know, they've, they've had repaves a little more recently than like Atlanta and stuff, but high tire wear tracks actually have a lower major incident rate, lower wreck rate than low tire wear tracks. And that's because low tire wear tracks, you got extra grip. You can run it a lot harder. You're right more on the aerodynamic edge. If you actually don't have that grip, yeah, you might have to like wiggle it around a little bit. You might lose a little bit. Maybe your tires are wearing, but you're already going slower into the corner. So you're just kind of bathing. You're like, you're, you're on the eggshells with that throttle. Basically Uh, you're not breaking as hard and stuff like that. So you're actually not as much on the aerodynamic edge. Um, so I've actually run the numbers and there's a higher incident rate on low tire wear track. So imagine a low tire wear track with high banking, high horsepower, low downforce. That would just be awesome. Unfortunately, that's not what we're getting. So I love the reconfiguration if the aerodynamic package could accommodate it, but I don't think that's what we're going to see. I think Kyle Larson is absolutely right. They're going for Daytona light. And that's going to be, you know, just from fantasy perspective and, and betting next year, that, that, creates the the possibility of of some who knows who's going to win and uh who knows who's going to do well um it's definitely i saw a tweet earlier today um and it basically said i think i retweeted it it said uh 
everything in NASCAR sucks until it changes. Then it was fine the way it was. Y'all are great. Keep tweeting. Uh, <laughs> from the account Hot Dale Summer. That's funny. But uh, and, and I think that's true because you remember back after the first Atlanta race, it was all complaints, you know, even though they had solid pass late pass for the, for the win with Ryan Blaney passing um, Kyle Larson, who potentially got held up a little bit by teammate Joey Logano, um, but also didn't do a good job with his tires. Uh, it was a very boring race, you know, as much as the drivers like Atlanta and, and I like Atlanta a lot as well, just because of the, the tire fall off and, and all that. Um, it, uh, it, when you get the feedback of, you know, it's boring, they're obviously going to make the changes and they're, and they're going to gravitate toward these changes that drive the ratings higher. And what drives the ratings higher is the wrecks. It's guys wrecking each other. It's the wrecks at Daytona. Hell, uh, Rick Allen basically creams his pants every time there's freaking bump dra- bumping for the lead. Like, so it gets pushed like that, and and the the media narrative gets pushed of of wrecking is racing. Uh, obviously, we're going to get changes like that to, that happens more as much as they don't like to admit it. You know, they're gonna they're not going to come out and say we loved when uh, Kyle or Matt Kenseth put Joey Logano into the wall at Martinsville. What's the replay that they're still showing? year after year after year after year to sell tickets at Martinsville. It's that. And that's going to continue to happen because that's what drives eyeballs and that's what people like to see. So I, uh, I'm not a huge fan of the changes. I think it's going to, like I said, I liked old Atlanta, but I've been completely wrong before. I'm always, I always flash back to um, the first Las Vegas race this year. Hmm. And I, I, I remember I, specifically tweeted out that day i was like this is good racing this is really solid racing and i think that's because even with the package las vegas as you said last week i believe is the oldest of the low wear tracks um as far as repave i think it's right in that sweet spot where yep it's it's the conditions that you need to make that package work but it's such a it's such a small gap that uh it's it's very difficult and yeah and I don't think anybody has any faith in NASCAR to to make the right changes to to especially hit it, you know, first try. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And um, I actually I did find the tweet. It was tweeted out by the Athletic Auto, um, and it is a preview from iRacing and AMS updates. It just looks like Daytona, except you can't pass. So it's literally just two lines of cars going around. There wasn't a pass for the lead. There were basically no passes for position whatsoever. Uh, I didn't enjoy it. Um, I, I, yeah, every single car is running side by side, but it looks like a really bad Daytona. Um, and, uh, I know you're trying to kind of watch it a little bit right now, but I don't, I just don't, I don't enjoy it. I think, I think if you basically just took Atlanta, increased the banking, um, maybe still kept it as wide as it was, or at least not as narrow as they're making it. Um, and, and again, 950 low down force, make them drive in there. You'll, See Rex, you would see absolutely see Rex, which is what you know a lot of the fans are excited about is, is big Rex, which you know I don't really care for myself. I just want to see good racing, but you also put it in the driver's hands. I think that's the best of both worlds. Unfortunately, that's not what NASCAR is going for. They just want side by side. They think that's the best of both worlds. I want I want pure racing. I want to put it in the driver's hands. 
uh, and and get them on the ragged edge there. Yeah, if, if you're trying to make a mini Daytona, like I, I think I saw someone tweet uh, Glock or someone and said basically said, why not just run Daytona every week and save this money? You know, if that's what you're going for. Yeah, I'm, I'm watching it now and it's, yeah. It's I'm not impressed. <laughs> and, and, that's, that's, and that's what their that's, goal is. Yeah. Like that's their goal. If that's and what I, they look at and they say, this is what we want right here. It's like, what are you, are you specific? Like, are you just not paying attention to what anybody says? The drivers hate it. The fans hate this. What, what do you do? Like, I, I don't get it. I don't get it. And then they come out with, with bullshit responses. Every single time stuff like this happens, just like, the, I know you didn't watch qualifying for Road America, but one, same-day qualifying is fucking awful. Two, there was an issue with Bubba Wallace. He had a mechanical issue. He stalled off the track. Um, Denny Hamlin and Chase Briscoe were both making laps. They let Denny Hamlin finish his lap. As soon as Denny Hamlin finished his lap, they threw the red flag and Briscoe got screwed. How do you How do you consciously make that move? And they say that – and then, and then my whole, you know, my mind went all the way back to Kansas and the whole tire thing. And even in the Xfinity race, we saw the same bullshit where uh, I think it was BJ McLeod or someone wrecked and put a bunch of debris on the track. And they said it was completely off the racing surface, even though it was right on the track and that it wasn't a, a uh, it wasn't a hazard to the race. Neither was the tire at Kansas. Like yeah. just be consistent because the only thing they are doing is consistently being awful and it's so annoying well and and it, it, the lack of consistency is terrible um you know what you're saying here is basically and, and i saw the response today from nascar they were like we'll stop waiting to go to the end of the session first of all two problems with that first of all some drivers actually did go early in the session they lost lap because of it and they lost a lap later in the session because of another one second of all remember a couple years ago when they just had like one big qualifying session and everybody would wait till like the very end and some drivers didn't even make it around to the start finish line. And so like, mm-hmm. they just didn't put up a time drive teams and drivers are going to wait till the very end. And NASCAR realized this, like if you're giving them the rules to do this, that's what they're going to do. They're going to take advantage to put the fastest possible time, no matter what they can do. So NASCAR admitted they were wrong with the oval like group qualifying format thing or everybody goes once, you know, 10, 15 minute round, 10 minute round, et cetera. NASCAR admitted they were wrong. And that's why we're back to single car qualifying on ovals. Why can't NASCAR just admit they're wrong here for the exact same thing, waiting until the very end of the session. And even then not all of them were waiting to the very end of the session. It's just complete inconsistency. Not a big fan of, of, what they're doing here with these rules, just the lack of consistency. Obviously, we have our own opinions on same-day qualifying as it regards to DFS and fantasy. But even then, I think there's other issues in as regards to, you know, you wreck a car or um, something that happened in Xfinity earlier was cars were illegal for qualifying. Were they even able to get it ready in time for the race type stuff? Um, we've had just some weird situations. Qualify on Saturday, race on Sunday, problem solved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, with, uh, with road America, it ate up tires so much. What these guys did was they'd go like fourth speed for, for the warm up lap and then go speed. So, so you had guys going full speed 
and then a group of guys that couldn't really get out of the racing lane completely mess up their lap just because they're trying not to it, it was just it was a complete mess and it, it's not due to same day that's not due to same day qualifying that's due right. to the track and and what it is but it's oh it was just a a culmination of just awfulness. Yes. And with the track as big as Road America, especially a four over four mile track, why can't you just send drivers out, you know, um, every uh, mile apart, right? So you have four drivers going at any one time. Um, they used to do that with some ovals. You you get a driver on the back stretch and you send the next one out. Uh, and they 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 can do the math to time it. You know, you send it before they get to the back stretch because you have to kind of slowly come out of the pits. But there's a way to time it so that usually they're almost exactly opposite of the track from each other. Why can't you do that with a four mile road course? Just send drivers out and it's like let's say it's a two minute lap. Send them out every thirty seconds, right? Um, it, it makes too much sense to, to do that. If you send a car out every 30 seconds, you're done with qualifying. I don't know in what 25, 30 minutes, something like that. I haven't done the math, but like just thinking of it here on the spot, even if you do two cars every 30, uh, every minute, um, you know, you're sending, you're sending one car a minute and you got 40 cars in the field. You're, you're doing a 40 minute qualifying session. Uh, I, I just, just do that at Road America. Do that at every road course. If you send them, take half of the lap time, like the average lap time from practice or, or whatever, and split that in half and send them that far apart, and you'll be done with qualifying at worst with Road America in like 40-ish minutes, 45 minutes. Now, of course, the thing comes, well, what if driver spins halfway around the track and another driver's on course? A good solution to that be let them change tires and put them at the end of the qualifying line. So they have a chance to cool off their engine. You know what I mean? Now, if, what yeah. if it happens right at the end of qualifying? Well, that's unfortunate. It, that's just that, you know, there's no perfect solution here, but if you want to do something in a timely manner and not have all these really screwy rules and situations and inconsistencies, you can make a well-defined rule set here. Um, they just, they haven't done it. Yeah. And I, th- like I said, I think this was a perfect combination of a lot of shit that just kind of ruined everything that's another thing with the tires. So they let them use those tires as scuffs during the race. I don't remember any time that they've done that before, but so that was like, so Kyle Busch was like, we're not even going to make a lap because we're just going to save a tire in, in case we need them in the race. Um, so don't let them do that. <laughs> Have them run the tire. Like it's just, this stuff makes too much sense. I know, I know people get comments all the time of being like armchair quarterbacks, but the incompetence level of NASCAR and some of these decisions is, is amazing that, you know, even the most, uh, you know, the most casual fan could come up with something better, but, uh, anyway, so we talked about the, the new Atlanta coming next year. That'll definitely be interesting. Uh, we got one more race on this final Atlanta though. And it's the, it's the second Atlanta race of 2021. This is the first repeat, track that we've had i'm not going to count pocono because it's double header so and this is the first time they've raced at atlanta in july since like 1974 um so do you think one so the first race this year at atlanta kyle larson just dominated it he started sixth he's starting sixth this week as well ironically um so chase elliott's on the pole Kyle Busch will start second. Denny Hamlin will start third. Christopher Bell fourth. Martin Truex Jr. fifth. And then Larson sixth. 
Do you think this, these hot temperatures, I think it's supposed to be like 92 there this week or on Sunday. Do you think these running in July is going to make a difference or do you think we're going to see very similar speeds out of these guys uh, from the March race? You know, that's been four months now. Um, well, a little under four months uh, since they last raced. Do you think we're going to see the same guys fast? I think there's going to be a difference. Obviously, you know, I remember the first Atlanta race well because, like I said, I think I mentioned last week, that was one of those races where I literally plugged in Kyle Larson to, I think I did 200-something lineups, and he was on 190-something of them. Um, And that was also another week that, you know, that was when everyone was like, oh, you know, Kevin Harvick's the play here. He's so good of Atlanta. And me, contrarian, says, I'm fading Harvick this week um, because – the early season struggles. And then he had, he looked, he looked pretty good early. Then he had a tire issue. He ended up rebounding and and finishing 10th, but definitely not the Kevin Harvick we know at Atlanta. So this week, do you think once again, Kyle Larson is the super heavy favorite again, he's plus two fifty. He opened at three to one. Um, Do you think once again, he's going to go out there and just absolutely dominate? Or do you think both from a betting and fantasy perspective that there is room to be contrarian here and go with someone else because everyone's going to be plugging in Larson this week uh, and DFS for sure after that, you know, phenomenal performance here in March. And, and he's been really good at Atlanta, even back to his Ganassi days. So, yep. um, so what do you, what do you think? What's, what's your overall thinking heading into Atlanta this weekend? Yeah. I'm just trying to figure out where Kyle Larson has been, you know, has been bad essentially. Um, Especially with these mile and a half try and quados. I mean, he won Vegas and dominated. He uh, dominated Kansas. Didn't end up winning. Um, he dominated Charlotte and won. He, you know, he's he dominated Atlanta and sh- I shouldn't say should have won because it was his fault that uh, you know he Blaney was better at the end. There wasn't like a fake caution or anything. He just he ran his tires out and Blaney conserved his equipment better and was faster than Larson at the end of the run. But Larson absolutely dominated. But if you look at it, the two races that he didn't do amazing on that were uh, mile, that were, were kind of homestead. You know, I shouldn't say didn't do amazing. He finished fourth at Homestead and wasn't one of the fastest. Uh, and then I know Darlington, a little bit different aero package, horsepower package, et cetera. Um, but he wasn't dominant at Darlington and finished second, which is a 1.336 mile track. Again, different aerodynamics there. So um, maybe he hasn't been quite as good on the higher tire wear. Uh, as far as the hotter temperatures go, what that's going to do is it, there's going to be even less grips, I mean, more slick. So they're going to, I remember, you know, back in the day when we have single car qualifying, you still kind of hope for this to agree, but like it used to always be, you know, I'd be watching TNN or something, um, and they'd have qualifying and like, well, I'm just, they, they'd interview Darrell Walsh. I'm just hoping for some cloud cover here. You know, I want to get a good cloud when I'm running my, my, my lap here. They just wanted a freaking cloud so it could cool off by track temperature off by five degrees when they're running so they could be a little bit faster because they'd have more grip and that cooling off would also have more downforce um just denser air when it's cooler so uh, just any of that little bit of edge was what they would look for well hotter means slicker means slower less downforce um so i actually think in this case it could potentially play into larson's hands i mean you think about homestead uh that was uh i believe that was a night race i can't completely remember but um it was uh, a transition it was a transition and was darlington a transition as well so 
you know, this, yeah. could, this could really play actually into Larson's hands even more with Atlanta. Um, I, I, you know, he's just really good on these hot, slick tracks uh, and just being able to wheel it around and bad grip. Who do you want driving the car? Kyle Larson. So, um, you know, I think, <laughs> I think this maybe even more so plays into Larson's hands than the other higher tire wear races we've had. And guess of these high tire wear races that I just mentioned, which one was the best? Well, it was Atlanta, the one that was a day race. So I, I think this could potentially play even more into his hands. Yeah, so looking at uh, the 550 horsepower uh, at intermediate tracks this year, as far as, as DraftKings scoring scoring goes, he has 354.5 dominator points. Next best is William Byron at 101.9. <laughs> and then third best is Kyle Busch at 49.65. Um, you look at the – so we take Homestead out of the equation. Just looking at fastest laps – Vegas Larson had 57 Atlanta. He had 104, which is nuts. Um, especially when you consider, you know, guys like Corey LaJoy had 29 in that race because he pitted and, and got off sequence, but Kyle Larson, 104 fastest laps in the first Atlanta race, Kansas. He had 67 Charlotte. He had 69. Nice. It's it. Like I said, my contrarian brain says, Hey, maybe maybe don't go as heavy on Larson this this week. But at the same time, you cannot argue with these numbers. Uh, he's definitely going to be the guy to beat. And and like I said, he's he's the heavy favorite once again by sports books. You know they have him down at, at two and a half to one now, um, which is which is which brings up you know a second point of how do you how can you possibly bet that? <laughs> yeah, I don't know how you can. Bet Lar- it's just it's so hard for me to bet drivers that are that short just in general because things happen um i mean even just look at like kansas for example Car- kyle larson was dominant and a couple late restarts and kyle bush has the better restarts and wins the race look at atlanta kyle larson dominates but guess who won the race ryan blaney so things happen in nascar it's just really hard to bet the guy that's a super favorite you know, I mean, if Homestead and uh, Darlington were later in the year instead of earlier in the year, we'd probably be saying Kyle Larson would be a plus 250 favorite. Well, he didn't win either of those, right? Because um, he's traditionally been known as really good at Homestead and Darlington. Those steep tracks, Bristol, Dover, Homestead, Darlington, used to be his bread and butter, along with the two-mile ovals of Michigan and Auto Club. So um, it's just so hard to bet those favorites. What I did at Atlanta, um, which, of course, Kyle Larson wasn't as, as heavy of a favorite as he is now, I just found drivers I thought would be really good on these high tire wear tracks, uh, mile and a half, and that was Blaney and Bowman. I bet Blaney 14 to 1 and Bowman 33 to 1. Well, Blaney won the race and Bowman finished third, uh, with Kyle Larson finishing second there. So I do think there's room to find some long shot value. I think Bowman right now is around 14 to 16 to 1 at most books. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I love that, even though know, he's 33 to 1, I love that value on him still. I mean, think about Alex Bowman. His first. A uh, couple career wins there was Chicagoland, high tire wear track, Auto Club, high tire wear track. He was third in Atlanta earlier this year. Um, last year at Vegas, he was in contention for the win, which of the low tire wear tracks, again, was the highest of the tire wear tracks. Um, and now, of course, he's diversifying his wins. He's got Richmond, he's got Dover, he's got Pocono. So he's just becoming better overall as well and consistently in contention more. Um, this is another good track for Bowman. So I can't really bet Larson here. 
Um, what you can do as far as if you don't love outrights this week, and I think it's certainly possible to just skip outrights altogether if you really think this is going to be a Larson day, find head-to-heads, find group bets, find top three, top five, top ten bets when you have a driver that's as heavy as this. Because guess what? If Larson's this heavy, there's still not – even if he wins, there's still nine other drivers that are going to finish in the top ten. There's still four other drivers that are going to finish in the top five. There's still two other drivers that are going to finish in the top three. So figure out just based off of the terrible value – uh, and outrights, you know, that, that uh, it, it, they're being offered. Well, how does that translate to their top three, five and 10 value um, or their group value or head to head? So, you know, it's okay to look elsewhere. You don't always have to bet outrights every week, every week. I might, I haven't, I haven't run my numbers yet. You know, we're only on Tuesday night here as we're recording this. Haven't run all my numbers yet, but uh, I think right now, uh, if I were to bet outrights, it probably would just potentially be Bowman uh, at this point in time. Um, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll wait and see how the week rolls on. Um, I'll get to run my model here uh, in, a ne- in the next day or two. Um, and, yeah, it's just – it's so tough to bet Larson at plus 250, 275, 300 even, um, just because things happen in NASCAR and, uh, you know, it, 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 it's – you're not getting that much reward even if you do hit um, – I of course, we'd love to hit a plus 200, plus 300 just in general on most days. But in terms of outrights, you're not feeling like you're getting the reward of an 8 or 10 or 20 or 40, whatever, to 1. Um, so it's still still nice to hit those. But uh, you can just get like a plus 150 on a head-to-head somewhere maybe if you find good value and, and do that instead. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I, I'm with you, you know, kind of just maybe sprinkling a little bit, you know, on like a Bowman or a Byron, maybe Blaney. But, yeah, I like sticking to those top fives. And even, you know, if you were going to bet Larson top five this week, DraftKings just put their top five odds up. He's minus 286 for a top five. You know, like you can't even bet that with Larson. But at the same time, someone like Kyle Busch is even money. Uh, you know, Blaney's plus 155. There's value there to, to bet, and you don't have to bet the winner. You know, like you said, plenty of head-to-heads. Um, just while we're going through all this of, of Larson being – by the way, he's down to plus 225 on DraftKings now. Um, <laughs> yeah, just you can't you can't bet that. Um, as much as – I was going to bet him at 3-1. to one. I didn't have time to run over to Indiana and, and get him. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to touch 225. But uh, I do think so. So stepping away from the Larson talk, I think we're both on the same page. Like he should, he should put up crazy numbers again this week, barring a, a mechanical issue. He's definitely going to be in contention to win. He should dominate a good portion of it. Um, so looking at, I, I really like how this starting lineup is going to to play out. So we're going to have, um, you know, further back. We got guys like McDowell starting 25th, uh, Ryan Priest starting 34th. As far as Ryan Newman, who's been very good on on the highway uh, and pretty decent on, uh, especially, you know, like at, at, at Homestead, he was very, I think he finished top 10. He's been strong in this package this year. He's starting 29th. But we got Kevin Harvick starting 21st. We got William Byron starting 19th. Alex Bowman 17th. Ryan Blaney 15th. Tons of... I really hope, like you said, we're recording this on Tuesday night. I hope DraftKings doesn't get too dumb with their with their pricing this week because you're going to have to make some decisions this week, especially if they price Larson up, which they should. Uh, as far as putting together a lineup, I just I really like how the starting lineup is looking. Um, 
And, you know, going back to the first race at Atlanta this year, Ryan Blaney finished first, Larson Bowman, Hamlin, Kyle Busch were the top five. We had Austin Dillon finish sixth, Chris Buescher seventh, Byron eighth, Truex ninth, and Harvick tenth. Um, a few long shots that that did well. De Benedetto starts 11th, or he finished 11th in the first race. He starts 12th this race. So I think it's going to really have it's this this weekend's really going to force us to look at you know and kind of get to that uncomfortable level of mm-hmm. you know starting playing De Benedetto starting 12th playing Stenhouse starting 16th, Busher 18th, as opposed to going those, you know, super chalk route of Newman starting 29th, uh, you know, Suarez starting 27th, guys like that, who could have issues one and, and might not have the the top 10 upside that someone like a Chris Busher starting 18th does, which is those, those small little pivots. We talked about it at Pocono a couple weeks ago or after Pocono. Um, those small little pivots can be the difference between taking down a tournament and tying for, for 90th, you know, um, I, I, I really like how this race is going to, I, how I am picture it, um, you know, playing out. I just hope DraftKings nails the pricing. Uh, I know like with my, my game that I offer the slingshot contest, I really, I, it took me a while to get pricing done this week as far as the drivers, just because of, you know, where these guys are starting. And I didn't want to make it where you could, uh, um, you know, you could pick Harvick, Byron, Bowman, and Blaney all in one lineup and then throw in a Timmy Hill and get those guys. So I I, I definitely – I put a lot of thought into um, into the pricing and, and making sure that it's not – like we, we're just coming off the chalkiest DFS week ever. I mean, I'm pretty sure, if I remember right, it was at least the top four. Maybe the top five highest-owned guys last week were in the optimal lineup. Like just super chalk. Um, you know, my my play last week was Eric Jones instead of Stenhouse, which obviously didn't work out. Stenhouse really rebounded after a bunch of issues early and, and finished 12th. But if I could do it all again, I, I'd bet uh, I'd bet Stenhouse again. Or I'd bet I, I'd go – I'd make that pivot to Jones again. But, um, yeah, I just hope – I hope DraftKings, you know, really comes out and, and does the pricing right and, and makes us work for, work for these tournaments because after last week it's uh, – it's a little, I don't want to say like hesitant, but like I just, I want it to be tough again this week. And, and I, I, hopefully we get it because like I said, the starting lineup should be very solid as long as they get it right. Yeah, I, I agree. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's got some interesting situations here as well. Um, you know, you look at Keselowski starting 14th, Joe Logano starting 10th. You'd think there's some plays differential there, and I'm really curious what DraftKings is going to do with those two guys because guess what Logano and Keselowski and Blaney have done at the high, the, let's say the three high tire wear races on, on intermediates this year. And I know Darlington, again, different horsepower, but we, we've said Joey Logano has been better at uh, – at the 750 horsepower than the 550. Well, Darlington wasn't so necessarily good for him in his final result there. So looking at Logano, Blaney, and Keselowski, at Atlanta, the best finish among those three drivers, or sorry, at Homestead, not Atlanta, at Homestead, the best finish among those drivers was 16th. At Atlanta, yep. obviously Blaney won, but of the other two, the best finish was Logano in 15th. At Darlington, the best finish among them was Blaney in eighth, Logano in 13th, and Keselowski in 24th. So Blaney's done well overall at these high tie wars, but just looking at Logano and Keselowski, 
they've finished no better than 13th in six opportunities between them. Um, so I'm very curious if DraftKings going to price them down because of these terrible results and the fact that, you know, they're starting 10th to 14th. They might be like enticing to people, but be really good fades. If they price them up, they're going to be faded anyway. So I really want DraftKings to price them down and then people still fade them because this doesn't seem, you know, the 550 has not been as good for them and the high tower has not been as good for them. So this seems like one of their worst track types right now uh, is Atlanta 550 horsepower, uh, for especially for Logano and Keselowski. Um, they just haven't run well at this type so far this year. So I'd love for DraftKings to – and I know the fact that they're starting 10th and 14th, uh, Logano and Kozlowski respectively, they'll probably be priced up a little bit just because there's that place differential potential. Uh, and then you mm-hmm. look, But you look at the betting odds, Logano's – 16 to one on DraftKings. Kozlowski's 14 to one. So they're not going to be in the 10 K range. They probably won't even be in the nine K range. Lagana, you might see at mid eights, which might entice people to play him. Could be an interesting fade opportunity there. Uh, whereas if you compare that to, you know, you were talking about Kevin Harvick. We finished fifth at Homestead. Um, Atlanta's always been a good track for him. He finished 10th there earlier this year. Uh, and Darlington's a good track for him. He finished sixth. Obviously, that team has been a little bit down this year, but he's still performing at his tracks. He's 10 to 1. He might be priced up relative to those two, um, especially starting in the back. Not, not all the way in the back there, but you know, starting 21st. I love if people are going to get on especially Logano going over to, to a Harvick, potentially something like that. Um, you know, if Logano is going to be a thousand dollars cheaper than Harvick or something. Um, but yeah, it's tough to say. I just, I hope DraftKings nails the pricing um, because there's, there's interesting spots all over. I mean, Larson starts sixth. Is there any guarantee he gets up in front of uh, Chase Elliott, which, you know, of course is his teammate. And then two other guys who finished uh, in the top five in the first Atlanta race, Kyle Busch and Denny Hamlin are starting second and third. So um, is there any guarantee Kyle Larson dominates as much as he did last time? Um, Does he get to the front early? It probably helps starting on that outside in sixth position. Um, And he's so good and tire wear matters so much. It's, it's probably a lot easier to pass here than another tracks with the tire wear the way it is. I think so. But you know, starting first is a whole lot better than starting sixth, just as kind of a, a guarantee type thing. But uh, yeah, I, I hope DraftKings nails it. Um, I'm really interested in what they do with the Penske drivers, especially Keselowski and Logano here. Because um, if if they price them up, they're going to be low owned anyway. But if they price them down, um, then you know I could really see a good fade of Keselowski and Logano uh, this weekend, making a lot of sense in tournaments. Yeah, my only uh, a few uh, a few things. Um, so with Penske, they're generally very low owned in DFS, unless it's like super super chalk. Like you know, uh, there's a lot of weeks that Logano goes like you know mid teens. So I'm I don't know even if they price them down that they're going to get that that exposure where it's going to be you know like unless you full fade them where it's going to be you know, the, the obvious, you know, leverage play, but yeah, looking at, uh, 550 horsepower intermediates this year, five races, Logano has an average finish of 16.6 average running position of 13.5 and a total of 15.1 DraftKings dominator points. So averaging three per race, Kozlowski a little bit better average finish of 12.0 average running position 10.9, but that's really, um, the low that tire, from, the low tire wear track, second at Vegas, uh, third at Kansas, eleventh yep. at Charlotte. 
Yeah, so Logano has been 25th at Homestead, 9th at Vegas, 15th at Atlanta, 17th at Kansas, 17th at Charlotte. He's just been junk. Um, speaking of so, – so, one, I, there was one thing I forgot earlier when we were talking about Alex Bowman. So Ryan of iFantasy Race tweeted earlier today. He said, with old Atlanta going away, the stage might be set for Alex the Grim Reaper Bowman. Awesome earlier this year, and he won the go-away go races at Chicagoland and Auto Club. I forgot about that. So with, with this Atlanta going away, this could be you know another Bowman week where he comes out. And, and I think he's turning into the closer like Harvick was. Um, but definitely the Grim Reaper, that's, that's Is funny. he because we thought he was almost the anti-Harvick a couple weeks ago? <laughs> or he couldn't close. Um, we had talked uh, about that on the, on the previous podcast. But lately he has I, been closing. I mean, you look at that Richmond win and the Pocono win there, which a little bit lucky with the Larson blown tire. Yeah. I, I just feel like a lot of times like they, that team will struggle. Not struggle, but they're, they won't be great for the first 70% of the race and then finally get it figured out and then, you know – get there at the end. But um, so, yeah, so going back to Chase Elliott on the poll, uh, Phil with uh, Osimo tweeted the other day, fun fact, the 2020 June Atlanta race and the March 2021 Atlanta race both had competition cautions. In both of those events, the poll sitter led all the laps from the green flag to the competition caution. Following those cautions, neither driver led another lap. I I'm very interested to see not only where DraftKings prices Chase Elliott, but what his ownership is going to come in at because he obviously like just being Chase Elliott, he gets a bump in ownership every week. It, it, he's always a little bit higher than I expect. Um, two, Atlanta's not a great track for him at all. Uh, you look at the last three races here, which are all 550 horsepower. He has 19 total fastest laps and average finish wise. Uh, 38th. He's he has one top five here, and it was back in 2017. So uh, he did he did start from the pole here in 2020. He led 26 laps. He ended up finishing eighth. Finished sixth in stage one, fifth in stage two. Um, with that being said, you know obviously Hendrick is crazy fast this year. Chase Elliott has come on very strong lately on intermediates um so you could you could probably make a case either way uh like i said though if if they price chase elliott down and he has super high ownership being on the pole i'm going to be underweight on him because this just isn't that great of a track for him yeah i I agree with being underweight on chase elliott um are they going to have a competition caution being at the second atlanta race i know with the second pocono race they didn't have one uh i'm honestly not sure i wish they would release that stuff before it like we have to wait for pockers to tell us like just put it on put it <laughs> on much. the media site yeah yeah it's, uh because i mean not that it really changes anything as far as chase elliott is concerned because atlanta you're right hasn't been amazing for him plus i just think there's there's better better spots to use chase elliott and there's there's Drivers that are just freaking awesome at Atlanta, like Kyle Larson, uh, Ryan Blaney, mm-hmm. uh, Kevin Harvick. You know, obviously Kyle Busch and Denny Hamlin will be in contention, for example. So 
Um, I think, uh, you know, this is definitely a good week to kind of get off of Chase Elliott, um, especially if they price him down. The fact that he's on the pole, they might price him up just thinking he'll get some fastest laps, some laps led. Um, and often they're very correlated with the betting lines as well. And he's third in the betting odds here. So um, I don't know that Chase ought to be priced down, which should keep his ownership down. Even though, even if he is priced up and his ownership is kept down, I still don't just necessarily love him just because, again, not a great track for him. Um, like, look at look at all of his wins in his career. They're either at flat tracks, road courses, uh, super speedways. Right? He's won at Talladega. Uh, and then the only mile he, – he's won one at Dover. He's won one at Kansas, which is, of course, a high tire wear track. And he won the Coca-Cola 600 – not the, the the next day race at, at – uh, Charlotte last year, uh, they had that double header Coca Cola 600 first, then the midweek midweek race. I shouldn't say next day, but you know what I mean. The back sort of back to back at Charlotte last year, so it's been he a should have won the Coca Cola last year. Yes, and that too. Um, but the idea is the guy has uh, been doing much better at the low tire wear than the high tire wear tracks. I mean, you look at his Homestead results over his career; it hasn't been that great. Um, other than last year, I guess he got a second place. You look at his Darlington results over his career, hasn't been that great. He did have a fourth place last year, but um, Atlanta, also not an amazing track for him. So higher tire wear hasn't been as good for him as low tire wear uh, in these intermediate type tracks. So probably just a good weekend to get off of Chase Elliott in general. Um, don't love betting him at nine to one here. I'd rather take a shot on Blaney at 12 to one, or like I said, Bowman at 16 to one. Um, and I think there could be, Maybe potentially some hidden top five, top 10 value out there, uh, but it wouldn't, you know, again, somebody like Austin Dillon who finished top 10 earlier this year, plus 155, uh, Chris Buescher top 10 earlier this year, plus 280. Um, and then as far as DFS, yeah, I think getting off of Chase Elliott is is a good idea. Mm-hmm. So who, um, you know, other than Larson and, and what do you think about Kyle Busch as a potential for the if if Kyle Larson doesn't dominate this race, is Kyle Busch number two? Uh, I still think I still think honestly I think Blaney and Bowman are probably right up there for for number two. Um, Kyle Busch again, if we look at the low wear tracks, um, he's been good, but he's not been dominant lately. Um, so I wouldn't say he's likely to dominate. Um, maybe somebody like. Maybe somebody like Denny Hamlin, maybe uh, somebody like one of his teammates, either Byron or Bowman. Um, but I really do look at Blaney as well. Um, I think Kyle Busch, certainly solid top five material. I just don't know outside – honestly, outside of Larson, I have no idea. There's there's a few guys you could name. Like I said, the, the other Hendrick guys minus Chase Elliott probably. Um, Blaney and Bo- – uh, sorry, Blaney, Kyle Busch, potentially a Hamlin, potentially a Harvick. Uh, it's, it's really hard to always count out Truex, but, uh, he seems to be better a at night B in uh, lower tire wear tracks and C they've been struggling lately. So, um, kind of tough to, to rely on Truex there, but you know, um, what if somebody like a Tyler Reddick pops in there or, or an Austin Dillon or, or something, I wouldn't say for the lead, but, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's really the Kyle Larson's show. And then it's a whole bunch of like, who else could it be? But I think it probably you probably have to go back to the Blaney Bowman's, Byron's of the world, and of course Kyle Bush and Eddie Hamlin. Yeah, so 
like I said, I'm look I'm looking at the last three Atlanta races, which are all the 550 horsepower. Uh, Kyle Larson only ran two of those. He has the most fastest laps with 158. Martin Truex Jr. is second with 96. Harvick, of course, up there. Uh, one guy that's consistent with fastest – two guys that are very consistent with fastest laps here at Atlanta. Ryan Blaney, he has a high of 28 over that three-race span, a low of 17, 66 total. Kyle Busch right there, 64 total, 25 his high, 15 his low. Um, and then, yeah, Alex Bowman, as far as as far as fastest laps, obviously has, he has some place differential potential this year or this week. But uh, over those three races, 20 fastest laps total, which isn't too surprising for Bowman. He, he typically doesn't put up a ton of fastest laps. Um, but it's definitely noteworthy, you know, for DFS players, DraftKings players, that uh, – that basically how I look at that is Ryan Blaney and Kyle Busch can be counted on for about, I'm, I'm just, you're just going to shoot them in for about 20 fastest laps uh, yep. on Sunday. Uh, Larson will probably have, you know, 80 and Harvick will throw in some, you know, I, th- I think we're going to see Harvick do, do well this week. Um, yeah. This, despite yeah, struggle, like I said, he had, he had a, I think he had a flat tire or a loose wheel, the, the first Atlanta race, but um definitely um you know it's it's atlanta and it's kevin harvick like <laughs> although yeah, I think Lord- I, i'm curious what the best odds you know as the week progresses where the, where and what the best odds will be on kevin harvick right now he's 10 to 1 on DraftKings, but if you can find him at a 12 or a 14 even um i don't hate that now i'd love that but instead, whatever that translates to top three or top five value. Now, of course, top five or sorry, top three right now. He's plus 250 on DraftKings and this is top three and top five plus 130. But what if you can squeeze out like plus 140 or, or so for, for Harvard or plus 150 on a top five value? I'd really love that. Um, this is yeah. just one of his best tracks. And I know Stuart Haas is down, but the dude's been so even in a, a down year, he's been consistent, right? We compared him to, I think we compared him to Bowman earlier this year and, uh, and, and to several drivers, but especially to Bowman. Bowman's had a lot more uh, stage points than Harvick, but Harvick actually is higher in the overall points, which means he's a lot better finishes than Bowman. So he's been much more consistent than Bowman, especially as it relates to race end. Uh, so I think this is a good track for Kevin Harvick to, to, to you know find a top, whatever the best, top five value you can find on him is yeah that that uh that plus 130 you know coming into this year if you would have told me that i could get plus 130 of kevin harvick at atlanta i would have take all my money (laughs) you know just because he's so good here but uh i'm uh you know i'm just looking at uh, another top five lines uh here tyler reddick plus 650 ross chastain plus 850 definitely think there's there's value there and, and, and those guys. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. Um, you know, I, it's, it's interesting. Um, I, I do like, you know, I do like some of this mid tier value. Um, Tyler Reddick, like you mentioned, Austin Dillon, uh, Chastain has been running really well lately. I don't know if this is a great track for him or not. Um, Chris Buescher got a top 10 earlier series plus 280 for a top 10, um 20 to 1 for a top three and let's see his top five you always have to click a different button there for top five uh chris busher is 1050 for a top five 
Um, so I, I like top 10 value there for Chris Buescher plus 280. I think that's that's possible. Um, Ryan Newman, you mentioned, has been really good at the high tire wear tracks this year. Guess what his top 10 value is? Without looking. Five to one. Oh, no. Don't tell me that. Yeah, Ryan Newman, five to one for top 10 value this year. Um, or this weekend, I should uh, say, at Atlanta on DraftKings. And you might be able to find better elsewhere. Maybe you can find a 550 or something like that. But he finished seventh at Homestead. He finished uh, 13th at Atlanta. And he finished 10th at Darlington, our three high tire wear intermediate-ish type tracks. Again, with the caveat around about Darlington. Uh, and you look at Newman's history. He's been always great at like the shorter flat tracks, but also at high tire wear tracks. Um, last year, 14th Atlanta, the year before that, 13th. So um, under this package, he's got a finish of no worse than 14th Atlanta. You know, he hasn't hit a top 10 under this package, under 550, but um, it's been, a you know, of his track types, high tire wear seems to be pretty good for him. So um, I don't know if it's great value at five to one. It's probably like, Maybe he could be a four to one or a three and a half to one. I think five to one is pretty good value on him here. Obviously, it's not something you're going to count on, but I think in terms of value, it's probably not a bad bet. Yeah, yeah, I, I like that, and I I definitely like uh, where is uh, Busher? So P- Busher plus two eighty. You look at five fifty horsepower intermediate tracks this year. Finished nineteenth at Homestead, although he had thirty nine fastest laps and he led fifty seven laps. Like we said earlier, was, as soon as the sun went down, he went to shit. But he was super strong, you know, surprisingly strong earlier in that race. Finished 14th at Vegas, 7th at Atlanta, 8th at Kansas, and 8th at Charlotte. Uh, starting 13th, I think, is his projected. No, 18th. You know, Busher definitely – I like that that plus 280. Is that what I said, plus 280? Uh, for a top 10 and, and obviously going to be uh, – you know, depending on his, his salary and DraftKings, but I'm going to be high on Busher this week. I, I think he's going to be strong. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, it's, it's tough to pencil a Newman there at five to one. Cause he hasn't actually, or he's maybe just barely hit that since 2019 when we went to this uh, five fifty <laughs> higher, higher downforce stuff. But um, you know, He's really like for DFS purposes, he's starting so far back there. He's a really good play. His worst finish at high tire wear tracks is a 23rd at Darlington. Everything else uh, since 2019, I should say everything else. And and while he's been at Roush Fenway, uh, everything else has been 17th or better. And that 17th was at Chicagoland. So removing that, his worst is a 14th place finish. And that came, you know, he had a couple of 14th place finishes. He's had a 13, 13, 14 in Atlanta. At Homestead, well, he did have a 30th at Homestead. I think they were probably just junk last year in 2020. But uh, he had a 7, 30, and 7 at Homestead. Uh, so that 30 just kind of seems to be there. There was probably an issue there in 2020. Uh, and then at Darlington, he's been 10. Last year, he was 15, 14, 15. And then, of course, that was at 23rd. So, like, he's pretty much been a 15th place or better car in most of these high-tire war races uh, since 2019 during his time at Roush Fenway. So, uh, very curious to see what DraftKings will price him at this weekend, especially with the fact that he's starting pretty far back. Yeah, and they've been uh, massively underpricing him lately. Um, I know that's one yes. guy that's definitely stuck out to me. He was uh, his pricing for Pocono was an absolute joke. You know, under six thousand in both, 
at Nashville, Newman was 6,800. Uh, Sonoma, 6,300. Charlotte, 6,400. I mean, yeah, they're going to price them up. 6,700 at Coda. Dover, he was 6,800. They're going to price him up. They should price him up for the place differential, but that could be one that they completely overlook just because it seems like all season they've just, you know, Newman's been a mid $6,000 guy on DraftKings and, and they're not going to, and, and you know, especially I feel like I know, I know FanDuel does it. So uh, earlier this year, I would compare FanDuel salaries to betting odds and they would basically be identical. Like mm-hmm. every single one, you know, DraftKings has Newman at 200 to one to win down there with Eric Jones, Cole Custer. If they follow that same formula down there with, with uh, Chase Briscoe, Michael McDowell, you know, they're at 250. Um, if they follow that same formula, then we're probably going to get another Newman, you know, $6,500 and, and just massive chalk again, kind of like he was at Pocono, but that wasn't the chalk to get off of that race. Like as we saw, and, and, and if they do price him that low again, I, I don't think he's going to be the chalk to get off of. Obviously, you know, we're both contrarian players. I, I don't, I don't see that. Like I said, find the other chalk to get off of um, when it comes to that. But we'll see what what DraftKings comes out with. It's Wednesday nights when they come out with their pricing, and like I said earlier, we're, we're filming this on on Tuesday night, so uh, yeah, it will be it will be interesting. But definitely, you know, both both Chris Buescher and Ryan Newman are both going to be solid plays. I think on on DFS wise, uh, as far as points scored, you know, we'll have to see where they price them at. One one driver I'm very curious about uh, is Ricky Stenhouse Jr. He's been pretty solid at Atlanta, twelfth um, and thirteenth in his two races for JTG, uh, and then prior to that one at Roush, eighteen, sixteen, thirteen, ten, uh, back down to to 2016. Um, he had a DNF in 2015, uh, and then 20th and 16th. So basically, he's always been in the top 20 at Atlanta, but even recently with 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 JTGs have been 12th and 13th. You look at the other high tire wear tracks this year, uh, 13th at Homestead and of course 20th at Darlington, but that was a, a 750. So a 12th and a 13th of the two 550 high tire wear intermediates. He is starting uh, 16th. It looks like, so there could be place differential. And if he's priced down because he's starting a little further forward, but he finishes, let's say 12th again. Um, that's a really good GPP play for a driver. Maybe what? 63, 6,500, something like that absolutely you 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 were reading my mind there and you look at the 550 horsepower intermediates this year like you said 13th at atlanta he was 11th at vegas he was 12th at atlanta homestead he was 13th at homestead 12th at atlanta 12th at charlotte uh his only blunder was kansas where he finished 34th but you're gonna have that sometimes with stenhouse but yeah yes love the love the upside there and and definitely you know starting 16th gonna be a tournament play because nobody nobody He's not going to get the ownership like he did last week where he was in the mid forties um, with Stenhouse. You know, nobody wants to start Stenhouse or play Stenhouse uh, at 16, starting 16th. Uh, like I said, I, I'm so, I'm excited to how this slate's going to, to play out. You know, we got DeBenedetto starting 12th, Austin Dillon 13th. Both those guys have upside here. So does Stenhouse starting 16th, Busher 18th. Like, ah, oh, I can't wait. This is my favorite. What what, this is, what if I, this what if this is the week to pivot off Newman on to Busher and or Stenhouse or just you know Newman and one of Busher or Stenhouse? That could I don't know. It could be. Because I, I mean you're gonna you're gonna have drivers in the six K range like 
Suarez, let's say McDowell, Wallace, they're starting 24th, 25th, 27th, you know, Custer 23rd. It, they'll probably, and Jones, they'll probably just draw ownership because they're starting far enough back. So just being really low on some of these guys and, and going overweight on Stenhouse and Busher, I think makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely going to be, like, like I said earlier, my at first, first thought this week was, well, maybe this is the week to get off of Larson, but no, eat that chalk, differentiate yourself deeper in the field, especially with those obvious place differential plays when you can get it. And, you know, with DraftKings, how they switch up their scoring this year, where they have that point gap between 11th and, and 10th now, or that two point gap, that's, that could be the difference, you know, between Ryan Newman finishing 19th and Stenhouse finishing ninth and Stenhouse being the better play over Newman. Um, mm. Yeah, this is, this is shaping up to be a very, very, very interesting week. And, and I think now maybe it, it's also, you know, we just got out of as, as fantasy NASCAR content guys, we just got out of a hellish three, four weeks, you know, with, with doubleheader same day qualifying. And now I feel like we're back to normal and we're, we're getting a very awesome race coming up on Sunday in Atlanta. So definitely yeah. com, com, confident. And I, I just, yeah. Exciting. I'm excited. Yeah, very exciting. Like back to normal. Um, both you and I have had a lot of success in the mile and a half this year. Um, for some reason, they, for me, at least I feel like with my model, they've been very predictable. Um, even mm. though some weird things have happened, like especially Kansas, uh, where weird things happen. I was still really good at Kansas because I had you know, Kyle Bush was like, sixth or seventh in the odds board and he won the race and i was like dude kyle bush is screaming value this weekend so even though the weirdness happened at the end with the cautions and stuff uh and and my model loved kyle larson it loved kyle larson and kyle bush so if larson didn't win kyle bush won that was that was good for my model there um nailed bowman and blaney in race number one this year at atlanta um you know so i feel like i've just had a lot of success at the mile and a half this year uh and now we're back to another mile and a half so um, hoping for another good week and you know a nice calm week no double headers no uh same day qualifyings no new tracks no all-star races so finally a nice normal week again um and you know like i said we got to survive one or two more oddball weeks uh mainly the indie which is going to be a new the, the the oval sorry the roval for indie is gonna be new uh for the cup series but from here to the end of the, the season, I think that's the only oddball left. Um, Landon, New Hampshire, Glenn, Michigan, and Daytona are all normal, uh, relatively speaking. Um, they've all been you know, raced in the Cup Series before, so you're not going to have same-day qualifying or same-day pra- or practices on those. And then all through the playoffs are all repeats or, or things we've seen before. So the only one is going to be Phoenix, where they're going to have practice and qualifying for the championship race. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think uh, I I had to look up. So as weird as it sounds, like I think I've mentioned this before, but like as a fantasy NASCAR player, I'm better at certain tracks than I am at others. So I had to look up, and and I think the reason now even more I'm getting excited for Atlanta is because last three races I've profited $17,000 at Atlanta, uh, including – well, I'm including my King of the Speedway ticket earlier this year in that, but, uh, you know – very, very solid. I, you know, profit 3,200 in 2019, 4,600 in 2020 and almost 9,000 here this year. So 
love Atlanta. <laughs> watch me just watch me just jinx myself right there. You know, I come out and 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 throw an egg up. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm excited. I I like I said, I, I just really I like this slate. I love the starting lineup, and uh, it's gonna be fun. <laughs> the Jordan jinx this weekend is Jordan. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I just completely jinxed myself. Yeah. Well. Uh... I'll be interested to hear, interested to see who your Jordan Jinx is this week. Uh, as far as Doc blocked, we thought we were Doc blocking De Benedetto, but he had a good race, so you he know did. that was one of the rare ones. Um, he so, finished eleventh, didn't he? I uh, tenth, he finished, and tenth. he had oh, a lot of. There's another top ten. Yeah. Uh, so I actually don't think I, we should make my pick right now live on air. Yeah. Um, so let's let's do that. I haven't made my random fantasy yet. Uh, so it was De Benedetto. He, he finished tenth. Uh, so there's another top ten. Who are we gonna dock block this week? We are literally doing it live right now. Uh, I need to figure out how to do this. I'm, I'm on a different computer than I'm used to. Um, have you done yours this week yet? I think I got the fifty three. Let me check. Unless that was last week. All right, here we go. Oh, Play. Blaney. Oh, you've got Blaney. Oh, okay. Yep. All right, I just did it. Take a guess who my driver is. Just one guess. Kyle Larson. It's the driver of the car Kyle Larson used to drive. Ross Chastain. 42 for Ross Chastain. Ooh. Live on air, you hear it here. My... Doc block of the week is Ross Chastain. Starting ninth could be a very good tournament play, but going off of Doc's uh, recent history of random fantasy racing, probably not a great play. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd say not a great play. Um, let's check. Let's check Ross Chastain's uh, high, let, high tire wear uh, results this year. So. Now, obviously, the caveat, they've been running better lately. Uh, 17th at Homestead, 15th at Darlington, 14th at Atlanta. So right in that 14 to 17 range. Um, mm-hmm. And clicking on Ross Chastain's profile here. Let's see how he's done. Finished 7th last year in Xfinity, which he finished 7th in the season-long standings. Um, ninth and 3rd at Homestead. That averages to a 6. So, again, right around his average there. Um and they finished second at Darlington last year, so in Xfinity. Uh, in Cup prior to this year, he finished 17th at Auto Club when he was at Roush. Um, so maybe not a terrible track for him, but certainly not his best track. So let's say he finishes worse than 15th. He really will be dock blocked if he finishes outside the top 15, <laughs> let's say, 15 or 16. Yeah. That'll be one to keep an eye on for sure. I, uh, I, I kind of want to – Jordan Jinx Larson and have some fun. <laughs> oh, baby. I, I, but I don't know what I'm going to do yet. Uh, I'll make that decision sometime. Uh, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good, dude. Well, I am looking forward to Atlanta. Um, it's like I said, we've, we've had great results at mile and a half this year, both me and you um, kind of back to a normal schedule here. It's going to be a lot hotter. Um, and outside of Larson, you know, there's, there's a lot of like interesting DFS spots. So I think it's going to be a fun week. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, good luck to everybody, I guess this week and 
hopefully we get a good race at Atlanta for the last time, but I think we're going to see a lot of the same as what we saw earlier this year. So uh, that'll do it for episode three. And we'll be back next week with New Hampshire in that preview. So see you guys. See y'all. Have a good one.